0: So, today I want to show you in the life of Mary how to be a successful uh, mother. Uh, Quick disclaimer I've never been a mother. I'm not one today, (laughs) and I don't ever have plans to be one. I'll be honest with you, ladies, I am glad God made me a man because I see what you do and what you're responsible for and everything that you walk through and how you feel things and how you care about things, and I go, I'm good being a dude. Can I get a witness? (laughs) But I did have a mother. <laughs> Shocker. She loved me deeply, and my mom was a, she was a great mom. She was a single mom. Uh, she, she got pregnant at 17 and uh, was forced to marry my dad and uh, had me somewhere between 17 and 18, and she did the best she could. I mean, my mom worked diligently. She, she, honestly, she honestly escaped life for herself and focused all of her attention on me. She, she spoiled me rotten, which I think was a good thing other people thought was bad. Um, she disciplined me strong. She taught me great morals. She taught me a lot of good things. She, she kept me in church, even when I didn't want to go. My mom loved me enough to backhand me one day at church. You know what a backhand is, right? That's the back of the hand across the cheek of the face. I popped off and gave her an attitude in the church parking lot. She went. My mom was a big-boned woman. I mean, she could hit. And, and I'm very, very grateful for my mom. I know today can be sometimes difficult for those of us that have lost our moms and wish you could get another hug in. Come on, somebody. Right? Wish you could say something to them, see their face. And I feel the same way. I, I miss my mom today. Um, it's easy to look back and see some things that your parents should have done and maybe shouldn't have done. There was one thing that I wish my mom would have done. I don't have a lot of regrets. I'm not mad at my mom. um, (laughs) I'm forever grateful. She did way more good than bad. But there was one thing I wish she would have done, and I think it's worth saying. I wish she would have taken a little bit more time to discover who I was. Just a little bit more time. I wish she would have spent a little less time trying to provide for me and a little bit more time trying to discover how I was wired, how God knit me together, what made me tick, what, what motivated me, what encouraged me. I wish she would have took just a little bit more time to do that. I'm fine. But if I could just say I wish my mom would have gave me one thing, I wish that would have been it. And this is why. Because it would have meant that we would have spent a little more time in deeper conversations. Right? Mary was good at this. In, in Luke chapter 2 verse 51 They had lost, she lost Jesus. (laughs) Anybody lost their kid before? (laughs) They didn't just lose him on an aisle in Walmart. They lost him in a whole other town. It was like they were in north Louisiana and traveled all the way back down to south Louisiana and realized Jesus wasn't in the car. And had to travel back to go get Jesus. And they go back to get Jesus and Jesus is in the temple preaching. And they're like, come on, boy, it's time to go home. What's wrong with you? Like, why you didn't get in the car? And... And Jesus makes this statement, and he says, he's basically he says this, I'm paraphrasing. He says, I, just, I need to be busy about my father's business. And then verse 51 tells us what happens to Mary after he said that. Then he returned to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. And his mother stored all these things in her heart. One of the things, and there's multiple times in the Bible it says that about Mary, that she treasured things in her heart, that she, she held things in her heart, that when there was moments with Jesus, she just captured them and just, and just put I think Mary was a deeper thinker. I think Mary was, a, Mary was a processor. I think she was figuring Jesus out. I mean, she had an angel tell her that she was going to get pregnant by the Holy Spirit. That should be enough to make you pay attention. But Mary paid attention to Jesus. She treasured things in her heart, which I go, man, she... She discovered who Jesus was. You see, motherhood is, much, is a much higher calling than just providing for your kids. It's a call to discover them also. And I'll, I'll tell you, as, as parents who, who, are, who are, our kids are old enough to be adults now. We don't consider them adults. They'll always be kids, right? <laughs> always be my children. <laughs> but, but as a parent that has older kids I I go, man, one of the fun things of being a parent was discovering how God wired our kids. Taking the time to, and a lot of times it was conversations between me and Cheryl about, man, it's it's, it's funny how Ethan's this way and Virginia's this way and then Anna's this way and this excites Ethan, but this discourages Anna and and all those. And it was just fun. Is this making any sense? It's fun to discover how God's wired your children. So instead of spending so much time worrying about if you're getting it right and if you're being perfect and if you're the greatest mom on the planet, what if you just took a little more time to discover who your children are? Sit with them. I promise you this much, you'll never regret that. You'll never regret a moment where you put a task aside in order to sit with your child and have a conversation that goes below the surface. You'll never regret that. In fact, I'll tell you, that's how you get to their heart. And mamas have a better way of doing it, or an easier way, it seems to me, than fathers do. I know as a father, I struggled to do that. But just because it didn't come natural to me doesn't mean I didn't do it. You see? But I think moms just got this anointing to get into a kid's heart. (laughs) And I think it's awesome. So Mary took the time to discover so, mamas, when it gets tough for you as a mother, I just want you to remember Mary for a minute. She had to raise God's one and only son. <laughs> I mean, she had a little bit of pressure to get it right. Come on, somebody. Like, like she, I mean, your kids are great, but like, <laughs> this was Jesus. And so I can't imagine the pressure she must have felt to get it right. And you're going to see today that Mary didn't always get it right. So I got three things I want to share with you this morning, and then uh, we're going to wrap it up and let you go celebrate by eating something good with no calories. Right, Lindsay? Me and Lindsay believe you can pray away the calories. (laughs) Right, Lindsay? She's not going to answer that. (laughs) She will not answer that. (laughs) Number one. The first thing I notice about Mary is that Mary submitted herself to God's will. I think this will be the most important thing I say today, is that Mary submitted herself to God's will. She had all these external things going on. I want you to see this. She had all this external pressure. What would people think? I'm pregnant. That was like reverent. <laughs> kind of like that. You're know, like, This is the most important part. Dong, 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 dong. That's I like that. I have to incorporate that somewhere. Mary had all these external pressures. She could have been exposed uh, because her and her and Joseph weren't married yet. They hadn't been together yet, and she's pregnant. Mary had pressures and things that she had to to manage things she had to manage to say and could only let certain people know certain things. and She had all these external pressures going on around her to be a certain thing, to do a certain thing, to protect this, to guard over this, to watch over this. But the most important thing, and I think the first thing that's, that's most important for Mary, is that she first submitted herself to God's will. We don't submit ourselves to external pressure. We submit ourselves to God's will right? And that's what gets us through the pressures of life. That's what gets us through the hard times. That's what gets us through the difficult times, the dark times, the discouraging times, is this? Is if I'm submitted to God's will for my life, it will sustain me through every time that I'll walk through as a father or a mother. Mary submitted herself to God's will. Notice that she submitted herself. Nobody forced her to submit. Nobody can force you to submit. You have to submit yourself. That's just the way God designed it. He didn't come in to force you to love him. He wanted you to love him because you felt like loving him, because you wanted to love him, because you genuinely loved him. Right? And he wants you to submit to him because you want to, not because you have to. Because it's it's a whole different ballgame if you submit to Jesus, submit to God because you want to versus if you have to. If you have to, it's not genuine, it's not real, it never gets below the surface. If you want to, there's no limits. Mary submitted herself to God's will. Watch this. Luke chapter 1, verse 34 to 38. Mary's having the conversation with the angel about being pregnant. For the word of, the, of God will never fail. Here's Mary's response. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then watch, this is very interesting. Then the angel left. The conversation was over with when Mary submitted. It's almost like the angel was there to get an agreement. The angel was there to, to make an agreement. And the minute Mary submitted herself to God and his will for her life, the angel left. I am your servant. I am the Lord's servant. This is where everything that we do in Christ comes from. So Mary submitted to God's will. Do you think it was easy? No, I guarantee you, it was not easy. I mean, you may have had a complicated pregnancy, but you, you didn't have to explain yours like she would have. <laughs> right? It wasn't another guy, it was the Holy Spirit. <laughs> yeah, right. Mary had some reservations, I bet. I'm sure she was nervous, unsure, anxious. She was no different than any of you here today when your baby was being born. She had her worries, her doubts, her fears, her insecurities. Come on, mamas, you know what I'm talking about? I'll never forget my first one was born, and we're getting ready to leave the, the hospital, and we got everything packed up, and Virginia starts gagging, like choking, like purple face choking. And I'm, and Cheryl's like, whoo, 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 and I'm like, give me something to suck it out. And, and I grabbed the thing, and I went, like, suck it in, and I was like, and I'm like, maybe we ought to stay another day. We were a little bit nervous about bringing our first kid home after that. (laughs) But I believe Mary was, was wanting to give her best. She wanted to protect Jesus the most. And unlike the world we live in today where people treat children like disposable items because they're more busy satisfying their own desires, Mary first committed herself to God. She first committed herself to God. She submitted to his will for her life, which if you think about it, is actually a blessing. Because now I don't have to be a mother or a father on my own accord. I don't have to study the books. I don't have to read the things. I don't have to get educated, get a a degree in parenting in order to raise a child right. I just submit myself to God, follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit, and everything's going to work out. Everything's gonna be fine. Doesn't mean I shouldn't learn some things along the way, but the learning of the things is not my source. My source is my surrender to God and His will for my life. He gave you those kids because He trusts you. He trusts you to submit to Him, He trusts you to follow Him. That's a blessing. In fact, Mary was so committed to God that she didn't have much time to commit to anything else. So she didn't have to be the mom that, that culture said she needed to be. She didn't succumb to the pressure of what the world said she needed to be. She committed herself to God, and that was more than enough. So these facts alone make Mary worth imitating. Amen? Let me give you some, some points on practical submission and what submission looks like because I just want to make sure it's, it's clear because it's so, so important uh, to submit to God. I just want to give you some practical submission. Number one, pray, number one is prayerfully going to God and seeking his forgiveness, his wisdom, and his guidance. When we go to God, we're seeking his forgiveness. That's a regular thing for every one of us. When's the last time you confessed your sin and asked him to forgive you? We should constantly, consistently go to God with our sin, our failures, our mistakes, confess them, and then receive forgiveness and cleansing. When's the last time you went to him for wisdom when you didn't know what to do? We should go to him for wisdom. That's submission to God. It's like, I don't know. I don't know what to do next. So you don't need to Google it. You need to go to God about it. You need to get really good. We all need to get really good at asking God for his wisdom in every situation. Lord, how do you want me to handle this? And listen to me. From my own experience, he can give it to you on the fly. There was times I wanted to take my kids out, send them back to Jesus, and I was ready to do it. Anybody know what I'm saying? Parents lose it sometimes. And I'm about to tear the backside up. I'm cranked back. They're bent over and they're about to get all of heaven on that behind. And the Holy Spirit say, ah, give them them grace. He'll give it to you on the fly. He'll give you wisdom on the fly. But he's waiting for you to ask for it. He's waiting for you to surrender to his wisdom and not your own and not the world's wisdom. Because our wisdom gets us in trouble, the world's wisdom gets us in trouble, but God's wisdom gives us life. God, what, what do I do about this? What do I, I need you, Lord. And what about his guidance? Lord, I need you to guide me. How can I be a better mother? How can I be a better parent? How can I be, Lord, help me, give me. I, I, I pray now for creative ways to do things better. If I'm struggling relationally with some people, Lord, give me a different strategy. Lord, help me to, help me to figure out how to, how to build that bridge back again. Or help me to figure out how to get close to that person. I'm asking, why? Because I want to. Because I want what he knows, not what I know. I know 48 years now, I know that I don't know much. It took me 48 years to figure out I don't know much. But what I do know is, is I have access to the one who knows everything anytime access so prayerfully going to God and seeking his forgiveness his wisdom and his guidance number two searching thirsting after and being quenched by his word watch this with the purpose of storing it in your heart there's a big difference in your bible study when you do it to check a box versus when you do it to plant something in your heart come on Because if you're just checking a box, you might get a little nugget or some crumbs from it. But if you're going into your Bible study time and you're going to read your Bible because you realize my heart's empty and I need to store some stuff in my heart, it's a whole different Bible study. It's a whole different Bible time. It quenches you. Number three. Being content with what I have, my life and my family. That contentment is realizing I'm already blessed. I don't need what I see on my feed to make me feel more blessed. I don't need anything else to sustain me. I don't need anything else to, to, to approve me, to any of that. I don't need any external things. I've got a relationship with God. I'm already blessed. I'm content with what I have. I'm content with my life. I'm content with my family. My kids don't have to be like so-and-so's kids in order for me to be doing it right. All kids are different. Some of you are raising some wild boys. And I don't say that in a negative way. I say that in a way that that God made them. God wired them with all that extra energy and all that ambition and all that drive. That ain't by accident. It's not just from the Kool-Aid you've been giving them. Come on somebody, God wired them that way So don't be mad at them, ask God how to raise them Ask God how to train them, ask God how to lead them And how to shape them, don't get mad at them Don't let them kill you, ask God to help you with them Because if he made them wild and he made them full of energy And he made them strong, then that means that's his purpose for them Is going to require that and you can't quench that So they can't be like little Johnny across the street Because their purpose is not Johnny's purpose. I was always careful not to let people diagnose my kids. You're not putting a label on my kids. You didn't create them, you don't get to label them. You're not telling me what my kids are, so that I gotta do this and do that and follow this program to train them and raise them. Bull! That's my kid, made by God. He's wired by God. God's gonna give me the creative means that I need to raise that kid. So I'm not taking outside sources. I'm going to the source. Ain't bringing no diagnosis around here. Does that make you feel better? <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> you got to be content with your life with what you have. You don't need approval from mankind. You need to live from the approval of God. Number 4, you need to to have practical submission. You just start living with a life of worship. It's a life of worship. It's not a worship service. It's a life of worship. Like every free minute I got, every bit of free space that I have, I'm going to the Father. I'm meditating on the Father. I'm worshiping the Father. It's not always song. Sometimes it's prayer. Sometimes it's just sitting in his presence. It's worship. Now that my kids are older, I love it when they want to sit still with us. Because we trained them to work hard and, and, they, and, and they work hard. <laughs> and now I'm like, God, I went too far with that. I can't even spend time with my kids anymore. And I'm like, come sit down. Come over and visit. Like, come sit. You know, sometimes worship is just sitting down with God and being still for a minute. Number five, realizing that in order to submit, I must first give up the need to control my life and my surroundings. It's practical submission. When you got saved, you got fired from being the captain of your life. So, some, some of you might need to read that again. When you got saved, you got fired from being the captain of your own life. Or oh, you got some responsibility in a relationship, but you're not the captain anymore. Now we're designed to follow. Now we're created to go with. Now we're created to be with. Is this making sense? Not to lead, not to be the captain. (laughs) I think sometimes when life seems to be the most out of control is when I seem to understand and recognize God's presence more than ever. When it's out of my control. Number six, protect yourself from overcommitting to things the Lord doesn't want for you. we got commitment issues, people. We commit to everything that God doesn't want us to commit. No, I can't say that. We, have, we struggle to commit to things that aren't there for us from God, things that he never intended for us to be a part of. Just because it's good doesn't mean that it's God. I appreciate people that can tell me no. I don't always like it, but I appreciate people that tell me no because I'm always asking people to commit to things. Hey, would you commit to this? Would you commit to that? Would you commit to this? Would you go to here? Would you do this? Would you do this? Would you lead this? Would you lead that? Nope. Ah! (laughs) I respect that. (laughs) Why? Because that tells me that you have enough maturity to say no to things that you don't need to say yes to. You're not committing to everything that you think your kids need and the world tells you that your kids need. Be brave enough to say no. Sometimes it's hard for a preacher to say that, especially when he needs so many volunteers. (laughs) And then, number seven, just be in love with him. Just be in love with God. Just be thankful that the one true God of the universe chose you. Just sit in that for a minute. That's practical submission. So Mary was first submitted to God's will for her life. Number two, Mary didn't get it right all the time. She didn't get it right all the time. The Bible doesn't clearly tell us about Mary's mistakes, but if you read and study your Bible, you'll see her mistakes all throughout the New Testament, all throughout Scripture. You'll see Mary's mistakes. She made plenty of mistakes. Number one, she lost him. Not at Walmart, at another town. <laughs> that means they traveled for a ways and didn't ways. Like <laughs> Hopefully this is making you feel better about yourself, mom. <laughs> Mary didn't get it right all the time. John chapter 2, verse 1 to 5. The next day there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. They were there to celebrate. Verse 3, the wine supply ran out during the festivities, so Jesus' mother told them, they told him they have no more wine. Listen to Jesus' response, dear woman, that is not our problem. <laughs> like, like I'm not the caterer. <laughs> That's not our problem. Listen to what else he says. Jesus replied, and then he says this, my time has not yet come. Which simply means this is it wasn't time for Jesus to do his first miracle yet. It wasn't time for the people around him to realize what he could do. So he's communicating to his mother, that's not our issue, and then my time has not yet come. Watch Mary. Like a good mom, maybe, says, but his mother told the servants, just do whatever he says. (laughs) I see Jesus just going like, just do what he says. But it's not my time. Just do, just do whatever he tells you. Ah. This is interesting. Because Jesus performs his first miracle in part because of the pressure of his mom. Do you know as parents, we sometimes put too much pressure on our kids to be something before they're ready to be that? To do something before they're mature enough to do that? Or, Come on, we give them cell phones at eight years old. Dear God, they don't have enough maturity to play with a Tonka toy. And you're going to give them a cell phone? Sorry. Ours waited a little longer and they didn't die. They didn't blow up. They didn't melt. And nobody took them. Just do whatever he says. Mary pushed Jesus into something before he was ready to do it. She missed what he said. Watch this. This was her other mistake. She didn't take the time to understand what he was saying. As parents, sometimes we don't listen. Come on. We don't listen. My kids have called me out. They're telling me how their day went and all this and that. I'm busy watching something. They go, Dad, did you hear what I said? Yeah, 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 I heard what you said. What did I say? I hate it when you do that. In Matthew chapter 12, Mary tries to pull Jesus out of ministry. Mary and her brothers show up to where Jesus is teaching at, and they're standing outside of the room, and they're asking to get to Jesus, and whoever they're talking to goes to Jesus and says, Hey, your mother and brothers are outside. They were worried that he had gone off the rails. They were worried because of the things that he was saying was causing so much trouble. They were worried about him, so they were going to try to save him and protect him from the trouble he was about to get into. And they come and say, hey, Jesus, your mother and brothers are outside. Listen to what he says. He says, who are my mother and brothers? And he points at his disciples and he says, are not these my mother and brothers? And he never responds to his mom. Mary didn't always get it right, and neither will you. So you can let yourself off the hook for a minute. She didn't always get it right, but Mary stayed to the very end. I watched the movie about uh, Dr. Ben Carson. How many of you have seen that movie about Dr. Ben Carson's life? Great movie. Great, great movie. Great man. Phenomenal man. Uh, the story just briefly goes that he, he, him and his brother, Curtis, were growing up, and his mom came in one day, and she saw him watching TV, and they walked, they were watching TV all the time and acting goofy and all this. And so his, his mom comes into the house, and she says, all right, from now on, you're going to turn the TV off, and you're going you're gonna to write a book report for me. And, you know, typical kids, oh, mom, I got all my schoolwork, blah, 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 blah. You go, every two weeks, I want a book report. You're going to read a book, and you're going to write a report and give it to me. And so they did. They would read a book, write a report, hand it to their mama, thinking that she was grading the reports and checking on them. Only years later to find out their mama couldn't even read. She couldn't read. She would take the book report and stick it in the shelf, hide it so they couldn't find it. She couldn't read. Interesting, huh? She had a handicap. She had an inability to read. But it didn't stop her from raising her kids. She kept on raising her kids. She didn't let her lack or her inabilities stop her from raising her kids. She did something phenomenal with her kids, even though she could not read. And look at who she raised. A world renowned brain surgeon. And all she did was take him off of SpongeBob and put him in a book. Is SpongeBob still around? Die, SpongeBob, in the name of Jesus. I hate SpongeBob. <laughs> I don't know why I'm telling you that, but I just, I, I dealt with SpongeBob kids when I was in children's church. I'm not going to tell you any of those stories I'm not proud of. I was casting out SpongeBob Devils left and right. (laughs) Mama, you're going to make some mistakes. Mama, you have some inabilities. There's some things that you're just not very good at. Stop pouting about it. Stop dwelling on it. And just keep rolling with what you got. Come on. Just keep rolling with what you got. Take what you have and be really good at that. I read a story the other day about a mama who was in her daughter's wedding. And it was one of these highfalutin weddings, I guess, maybe. And it it seemed like just reading the story. And she was going up to light a candle. And she was going to take a candle that wasn't lit and light it with a candle that was already lit. And when she did, she didn't realize her her brand-new acrylic nails were flammable. (laughs) And so she caught her finger on fire in the middle of the wedding. So just like a cool, calm, collected mom, she takes the finger that's on fire and she lights the candle, (laughs) sets the candle in the base, pulls it up like a good old Western gunslinger and goes, and then walks on about her business. (laughs) The reason I'm sharing that story with you is because some of you need to get past your finger that's on fire and just keep on going about your business, right? Stop dwelling on your mistakes. Stop dwelling on your failures. Just keep on rolling. Just keep on rolling. If you stop there, you'll stay there. Unpack it, learn from your mistakes, but keep on rolling. John Maxwell's written one book, and he's in the middle of writing and may have released his second book on failure. And he's, he's teaching how failure is good for us. Because we're already all going to fail. He says if you're going to fail, just fall forward. Fall the right way. When you make mistakes, don't cry about it. Grab the lesson from it. Pick your Pick yourself up and, and keep on going. Take the lesson with you. Because this is what you need to realize. You made plenty of mistakes before you got here today. You're going to make at least two more before, you, before the day's over with. And tomorrow, you're going to make more than that. Make your mistakes work good for you, make your mistakes work for you. Grab the lesson from it, but keep on going. Keep moving. Amen? Because this is what you need to realize. That through all of your mistakes, God will still love you. God will still work with you. And God still accepts you. So the minute the enemy tells you you're a couillon and you've lost it and you've blown it, just tell them to shut up. God's still with me. I gave my wife a Mother's Day card last night. And at the bottom of it, I said, P.S., I just felt like I needed to say it. I said, P.S., you didn't mess them up. Because that was the lie I had to contend with that the enemy would speak to her. And so as a husband, I had to come in and go against that lie. You're not messing the kids. Oh, I'm ruining the kids, baby. Oh, I should have never had. Oh, God. You're not ruining the kids, baby. And so last night, the little funny was, see, I told you, you didn't mess them up. And this is the other thing you need to realize. Your task as a mother, it will be accomplished. It'll be accomplished. Stay with it. Keep rolling. Submit yourself to God. Best piece of advice my mama ever got when when I was born and she was single just raise him in church. Just raise him in church. Keep him in an environment where he can discover who God is and learn and grow. And he's going to be fine. Just keep going, mamas. Number three. Y'all getting something yet? So number one, Mary Mary submitted herself to God's will. Number two, Mary didn't get, get it right all the time. And number three, Mary was a mom to the end. She finished well. In John chapter 19, Jesus is hanging on the cross. And I want you to see this picture because there's a whole lot in this picture. Verse 25 and 26. It says, standing near the cross were Jesus' mother and his mother's sister, Mary, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother standing there. She was with Jesus during his darkest hour. She was there during her most painful moment. I guarantee you Mary didn't just stand there and watch silently. If I, and my own opinion is that she hit her knees and she cried out to God to spare Jesus from this pain. And to spare herself. But Mary stayed to the very end. and Mary was a mother to the very end. Despite her pain, she never gave up her title. Of mother. My grandmother reminds me of Mary to some degree. You have to know my grandmother. It's definitely not 80% or more. It's She was rough, but she was somewhat like Mary. My grandmother's name was Bertha, which I think is still a hilarious name. <laughs> I probably shouldn't say that. But my grandmother was fun-loving. My grandmother raised ten kids, six boys and four girls. Out of the six boys, only one boy graduated high school. The rest of them dropped out to work in the family business, and they're still working in that business today. The four girls all graduated with with at least a high school diploma, and my my youngest uncle graduated with a high school diploma. My grandmother um, raised them in some pretty rough environments. But she was engaged, she was involved, and she was active in their life. They were in church whether they wanted to be or not. My grandmother buried almost half of her kids before she died. And I just want to share the story of what she walked through with them just real quick. The first kid she lost was one of her oldest daughters. She lost her in a tragic drunk, uh, drunk driving accident in Lafayette. She got the, the random phone, phone call out of, the, out of the middle of nowhere is that Carolyn's dead. I remember watching, I lived with my grandmother, so I remember watching her walk through that and how she stayed strong, though she was still hurt. The second kid that my grandmother lost was her youngest son. He died of the AIDS virus. Back in the mid to late 80s, he came out of the closet when nobody was coming out of the closet that he was gay. And it was a bombshell in our family because my family is rough, rugged, You know, manly men. And even the women were a little (laughs) rough. (laughs) So to be gay was like, you lived on the other side of the world. And so he comes out that he's gay, bombshell, then that he has AIDS and he's dying, bombshell. Middle to late 80s. And my grandmother, I watched her walk through this with the family. Which was incredible because all the brothers were going, I told you there was something wrong with that boy. That ain't right, blah, 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 And this big old family thing's going on, and grandma managed all of that. She's walking through all of that. She loved them. She loved him. She never judged him. She never cast judgment on him. She loved him. Even when he came out that he was gay, she still loved her son. She still mothered him. When he's withering on the bone because of AIDS, she's still loving him just like she would have loved any of the rest of them. And I watched her. My grandmother knew how to finish well. When, when this side of the family would say certain things about him, she managed it. She loved them and she loved him. And I watched her do that. I was like, wow. And then she lost her third daughter, one of her older daughters, to a 13-year battle with leukemia. My grandmother prayed so much she knew when every one of them was going to die except for Carolyn. She told me afterwards, the Lord told me they were getting ready to go. I was like, wow. She lost Patsy to a 13-year battle with cancer or leukemia. And then she lost my mom, the youngest daughter, to a three-year battle with brain cancer. And I saw my grandmother's pain. And I would hear her singing hymns on the back of the porch, almost with tears in her eyes and her voice cracking. I'm sure she was at moments bitter at God and mad at God for taking almost half of her kids before she died. I'm sure she was struggling with a lot of hurts and wounds from burying that many kids and walking through that hard of a time. And by the way, she lost her husband way before that. And as I was writing this message, I just felt like I needed to tell you about my grandma. Because she mothered to the end. She mothered to the end. She never relinquished her title of mother. Her approach changed. Her strategy changed. But she mothered to the end. You know what your family needs, mom? They need your long game. You might might mess it up in the short game. But what they need is your consistent long game. They don't need your perfection. They just need your persistence. Stay at it. Stay with it. Stay with God. And keep rolling. Jesus, I'm going to wrap it up with this verse. Jesus in John chapter 19 shows us a pretty incredible thing that's worth mentioning today. And it was his last conversation with his mama before he died on the cross. Verse 19, 26, and 27. You can come up. Worship team, you can come up. It says this. When Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, he said to her, dear woman, here's your son. And he said to this disciple, here's your mother. And from then on, his disciple took her into his home. On the cross, he's doing this. On the cross, Jesus is still honoring, protecting, and providing for his mama. Why? Because she was worth it. Because he loved her that much because she was special. One of my my new favorite uh, music artists is Ann Wilson. She sings country music and is Christian. I get my fix. She's got a song out right now. It's called Mamas. God gave us mamas. The song's about how God gave us mamas for specific things. Jesus loved his mama. Cared for her, provided for her, even in his dying moment. And he honored her. Even if you don't always agree with your mama, you're still obligated to honor her and to love her. Because until you've been a mama, you have no clue what it's like. And neither do I. Amen? So can we give all the mamas a big, warm clap, a celebration this morning?. <clears throat> Mama, you're special. And you've got an anointing that a daddy don't have. Walk in that anointing. Live in that anointing. And watch what God does with you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. I thank you for mamas grateful for my mama for my grandmother and all the wonderful examples you've placed in my life of great mamas Lord you designed them with a purpose and an intention you've given them gifts and abilities that man doesn't have in most cases they see things more than we do thank you for all this so to all the mothers here today I just release the blessing of God over you that he would anoint you and through that anointing you would have the power and the wisdom and the discernment to raise your kids well to manage your home well to walk with Jesus well Bless you with contentment. Realizing that you're already blessed. I bless you with energy. I bless you with peace. The kind that passes all understanding. I bless you with rest. And may God give you the eyes to see. And the discernment to know when to stop and sit sit with God, sit with your kids sit with your husband and just sit and I pray God that you would take the control away from us as we let it go that you would take the control away from us God and we would learn to walk as you lead Not worrying about tomorrow, but just walk as you lead. So God bless these mamas. Pour your spirit out on them today.